0: I am eager to get into the Bible with you this morning. I hope that you are eager as well. But before we can do that, I I just feel this need to pause and to acknowledge that there is a lot of suffering going on in our congregation at this present moment. And I want to stop and pray. Um, Last Saturday, David Small, part of our congregation, had a heart attack. He is recovering. On Tuesday, Sue Foley um, went into the hospital, the ER, with leukemia, and will be there for a while being treated. And um, we want to pray for her as well. Uh, Ben Morris, who's been with us for many years on The Sound, is in his 20s, and he's being treated for cancer. And these are just the things I'm going to mention. There's a lot of stuff going on with your lives and my life. And it's hard at times, and you know it's hard. There's stuff going on relationally, physically. Some of you are depressed. Got circumstances that are tough, unknown. I, we just got to stop and pray. So let's just do that, right? Let's stop and pray and cry out to our Father. Father, we come to you and we just, we just admit that we need absolute mercy and help and grace. For many of us have shed lots of tears this week. We intercede for Sue. She is in Evanston Hospital right now. We just ask that the treatment that she is getting would take effect, would start to work, that you would heal her and raise our sister up. we love her her joy that you would have mercy on her. For David Small, who has faithfully prayed and been a part of the prayer ministry for a long time in this church, I just ask, Lord, that you would show mercy on him as we intercede for him, that you would heal him, Have mercy on his body. And the same for our brother Ben, who's going through a variety of treatment and is weak. Will you intercede and intervene in his life and raise him up? And Lord, for my brothers and sisters who are just they're just confused right now in here. I just ask that you administer to them this morning by the power of your spirit. For those who have relationship problems, maybe a husband and wife, they were just having some serious Arguments even even before church this morning and they're distracted. Lord, may you speak true to them. For those where the dark cloud doesn't seem to lift, this depression just will not go away, or this anxiety or this excessive worry is hanging over them. I just ask that you'd you'd break the clouds. Let them know that your love is great and your grace for them is magnificent. So, Lord, I just basically going to hand my life over to you today, and I ask we'd hand all of our hand our lives over to you today and that your word would have a significant impact upon our lives where we would really be changed. So we wouldn't just hear the word and go away and forget what it said, like looking at our face in a mirror and going away forgetting what we looked at, that we would hear it and that we would go out and do it by your power and by your grace. May we not just attend church. Father, may you do a work in our lives where we're not just sitting here going through the motions of just hearing your word. I just ask that something significant what happen in our lives today as we get in your word, may you stir us up by your spirit. And I ask this in the name of Jesus, amen. Turn your Bibles to Romans 15. Romans 15. Kind of give you a heads up. We are going to go through the book of Romans starting the fall of 2013. All right? I'll see you back then. But right now, we're going to go through Romans 15. Next week, we're going to start the book of Proverbs and go through the whole book of Proverbs the next school year. As John mentioned, we're finishing up our ethos series, and today we're going to look at this concept of pervasive gospel. We want a culture created here in our church, a pervasive gospel, and who better to look at than the Apostle Paul. So in Romans 15, we're going to look at verses 14 through 21, and just... I know this is not a familiar passage. It's not. So let's read it. I'm going to read it to you. Let's go ahead and stand. Romans 15, starting in verse 14. The Apostle Paul says this. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ Those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. The word of the Lord. You see it. Paul says in verse 20, you see it there in verse 20, he says, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. Now, of course, his ambition was to preach the gospel among those who have never heard of Jesus Christ. And you may never go to unreached people and faraway lands, but you want it to be your ambition to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who need to know Jesus. Now, part of your ambition is to interact with other people who do not know Jesus and to bring them the truth of Christ and to bring them the gospel. Now, first, we need to stop because I know a lot of you come from a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different churches, and you may have a different definition of gospel than what we're trying to clarify here this morning, which we believe is from the Bible. So what do we mean when we say gospel? Do we mean that God loves you and everybody goes to heaven? No. You may believe God loves you and everybody goes to heaven, but that is not in the Bible. I don't know where that that gospel is from. It's a false gospel. It's not the true gospel. You may think that we mean by gospel that God loves all the good people. And all the good people get to heaven. So if you're just good enough, then you'll get into heaven. We don't mean by the gospel that either because the Bible's clear. You're not good enough. You're a mess. If you're waiting for your good works to get in heaven, you will never get in. This is what we mean by gospel. That God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die in the place not of good people, but of evil, wicked people who have given God the finger have turned their back on God and rebelled against his commands. And Jesus Christ died on the cross for sinners in their place. He was buried and he raised back to life. And all those who repent and put their faith in Jesus will be accepted by a welcoming God who will embrace them. It's the love of God in Christ. That is the gospel we are preaching. And that is the gospel that we are about. Now, what has happened sometimes... In churches and I'm afraid it may happen to our church one day I hope not is that we lose our evangelistic zeal and fervor which basically means we don't want to share the gospel with anybody we get to a point where we think you know what we want to be a church that's about compassion good deeds mercy and a lot of churches are shifting off this gospel focus to this focus on mercy good deeds compassion And I'm I'm all for compassion. I'm all for mercy. I'm all for showing grace to those who are suffering. But let me say this. Those actions, though they may be expressions of the gospel, are not the gospel. So if you say that you have shown good deeds to someone, that you were showing them the gospel, not the case. Because they're not going to be aware of their sin and their need to be reconciled to God just by the facts that you did something good for them. They need to hear the gospel. And what I'm afraid may happen in our church if we are not careful is that we may get rid of the gospel and say, we're a church of good deeds, compassion, and mercy. Matt Chandler, in his book, Explicit Gospel, it's a good book, you might want to read it. He says this. He says, if we lose evangelism, we may as well be the Peace Corps Helping people in the here and now, but not giving two cents if they go to hell. I don't know about you, but I want to love people so much that I care about them holistically. I care about their suffering physically. I do. But I also want to care about them eternally. I want to know that when they die, they have been reconciled to the Father through faith in Jesus Christ. And I want you to care about that as well. And that's why we want this gospel to pervade our congregation and break out of here and pervade the world as well. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to go through this passage in Romans 15, and we're going to look at six points concerning the gospel. It should be really easy to follow. My goal is to, to give you these truths so you can go home on your own and you can follow through the passage yourself. So let's start with point number one from the passage. It's this. It's a gospel atmosphere, gospel atmosphere. Let's start with Romans 15, verse 14. The Apostle Paul says, by the power of the Spirit, he says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder. Now, if you've read the New Testament before, you know that a lot of the churches have issues, not the church in Rome. They do not have major issues. So Paul is not writing to correct them, but he's trying to stir them up this gospel truth. Because Paul says very clearly, I'm satisfied with you. He's heard of their conduct and sound doctrine, that they were all full of goodness in living out the gospel. Do you see it there? They, they were filled with all knowledge of the truth of God's word. And they were able to instruct one another. They built one another up in the knowledge of Jesus. So this church had created an atmosphere of embracing and living in the gospel. Do you, you catch that? They created this atmosphere of embracing and living in the gospel. And if we want to see the gospel spread out of here in Evanston, in Chicago, and around the world, it first makes it must start in an atmosphere where we are embracing and living in the gospel in our corporate worship service, in our ethos communities, and in our interactions with one another. There should be this atmosphere of embracing and living in the gospel. Let me, let me explain to you what I mean here. This past week, I don't know if any of you were paying attention, but there was, there was a, a little group that met called the Federal Reserve, I don't know if you pay attention to that. But the Federal Reserve met this week to determine or not whether they were going to take action to try to spur the growth of the economy. And so they made the decision, okay, yes, we're going to try to take some action. So I'm not going to debate the action they try to take, but I want to talk about the Federal Reserve meeting. Now think about this. You have some of the most important, influential financial leaders meeting to make a decision that's going to impact a nation, that is going to impact The world. Can you imagine just how lively their discussion may have been? Can you imagine just how weighty the subject matter? I mean, they're making decisions to impact the economy of America and that's going to impact the global economy. This is really a very weighty subject. It's a weighty matter. Can you imagine just how lively the discussions must have been on this significant matter? And I want to tell you this. You might not believe it. It might not look too important to you right now, but what we do in the church is more important than the Federal Reserve. You can tweet that. (laughs) What we do in the church is more important than the Federal Reserve. We are talking about forever. We're talking about creating an atmosphere where our discussions are lively and weighty. We're talking about the eternal destiny of men and women and have them reconciled to the Father through Jesus. We want to create this gospel atmosphere where we just cannot believe that we get to be involved in this gospel enterprise. I want it to impact us deeply in one another. This leads to the second thing, this gospel calling. Not only do we have this atmosphere with this gospel calling, look at verse 15 and 16. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. Now now get this. The Apostle Paul has a very specific and special grace to minister to the Gentiles. Uh, One loose translation has said this is his highly focused assignment. So his deal was he was to have this special calling to bring the gospel to those Gentiles who have never heard of Jesus. And, And of course, he still preached to the Jews, but his focus was on the Gentiles. Now, if you have ever hear missionaries talk about going all around the world, they'll say things like, God has given me a special call to go and reach a certain people in a certain land. And what they mean by that is they have a special burden for lost people in a certain country. But I want to make this argument. That many of you, if not most of you, can also have a special calling and a special burden and a highly focused assignment on certain people that you interact with on a daily basis. For example, some of you are called to reach nurses. Some of you are called to reach athletes. Now, if you're called to reach athletes, it doesn't mean that you never share the gospel with the uncoordinated, but you're going after the athletes. Now, we have these these special callings, and and you may say, well, I don't have a special calling. Well, I, I would kind of want to make this argument that I think you do. Maybe you just have, you're not aware of the connections in your life. So let's just say if you're a nurse, you say, okay, God's called you to be a nurse. You want to minister to people. God's given you this passion where you want to glorify him being a nurse. But he's also given you other nurses to be around to share the gospel with them. Now, often what we do in church is we say, no, I just go to job and I'm going to wait For the church to get a special calling to reach the nurses in my life, are are you waiting for the church to get a special calling to reach the lost people in your life? Why would you do that? The people that you know in your life, they're probably never going to come to church. Just think about the people that you know. Are they going to come to church? Did did you bring them this morning? Are are they going to come to church? I mean. We could have a motorcycle stunt show after the service out here in our four-year area outside where the stunt motorcycle man or woman gives the testimony during the breaks. Is, is your co-worker going to come to that? No. We could have a magician levitation David Blaine type thing on top of our building. Is your neighbor going to come to that? Well, maybe, but probably not. The the point I'm making is that God has given you specific people to share the gospel with without the circus. You don't need a circus. You don't need some special events. These are people in your life. They love you. They want to hear you say, "What, what, what has Jesus done in your life? Come on, just tell them. Tell them how Jesus has changed and impacted your life. These are people in your life. This is a special calling that God has given you. And don't wait around for the church to create some atmosphere to reach your friends. They're your friends. You tell them about Jesus. So we have this gospel atmosphere in our church. We have this specific gospel calling. And at least the third thing of gospel worship. Now, this is going to be probably one of the coolest points I'm going to make today. Maybe you've never thought of this before. I've never thought of it, but the Apostle Paul certainly has. Look at verse 16, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. This is going to be kind of hard to follow. That was a hard verse to think through. I'm going to try to simplify it. The Apostle Paul views himself kind of like an Old Testament priest. Now, when you think about Old Testament priests, what do they do? They made a lot of sacrifices in the temple, right? Well, Paul says, you know what? I'm not making these sacrifices like they made. I'm I'm just preaching the sacrifice of Jesus. But when he preaches the sacrifice of Jesus to Gentiles, they, some of them, would respond. And as they responded, they were clothed in the righteousness of Christ, they were sanctified by the Spirit and accessible to God. And what Paul is saying, I'm telling them about Jesus, they come to Jesus, and I'm just taking them and saying, Here, God, here is worship to you. Here is praise to you. So the Apostle Paul is saying that his evangelism, get this, is worship. You ever thought of that before? Evangelism is worship. And all of us are priests. We're, we're called to be a priesthood of believers. We don't, need, I'm not, don't don't wait for me to do everything for you or some priest or what. We are all called priesthood of believers. And what we do is on Sunday morning we worship in our songs. We give these sacrifices to the Lord. We give in our offering and our tithes. But get this: also in evangelism, when you share the gospel and people come to Christ, it's like we're offering them up as sacrifices to the Lord. Now, that, to me, that is a great motivation for evangelism because I can guilt you all day long on why you should share your faith. But how about this? Evangelism as worship. That's pretty cool. So we have this gospel atmosphere, this gospel calling, we have this gospel worship. But we need some gospel power. Number four, gospel power. Verse 17. In Christ Jesus, then I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. So Paul says, you know what? I worked really hard. And he, he kind of makes me uncomfortable when he says things like, I worked really hard. I'm proud of my work. But, but, but just understand, what he's getting at is, is not about him. It's about God's power and work through him. That's what he's getting at. And notice what he says about the power. Did you catch it there in verse 19? Look at it. By the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. So as that he is going out and preaching the gospel, you know what's happening? Demons are being cast out. People are being healed. These great signs and wonders of the Spirit's power are, are happening and why do the signs and wonders happen? Well, they're authenticating the gospel message. Now, there's a lot of debate among Christians, and there's probably a lot of debate in here is like, but here's the question. Does God still do signs and wonders today? Does he cast out demons? Does he heal? And I just want to kind of give what I think the Bible is getting at, kind of, kind of, kind of my two cents on what I think is happening here. The context is evangelism. I do not doubt that God still heals today. In fact, our church prays for people to be healed. We do that. But the context here is evangelism. Now, for the most part, for those of you who engage in evangelistic activities, for the most part, when you go out and share your faith, for the most part, you are not seeing demons cast out. You're not seeing people Healed as you're proclaiming the gospel. I'm not saying it can't happen, but that is generally not your experience. That was more of an experience in early church where those miracles authenticated the gospel. But wait, 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 wait. Let's not stop there. I believe as we share the gospel, we will see the power of the Spirit of God manifested. As we share the gospel, we'll see the power of the Spirit of God manifested in our boldness. At times, we will see it manifested in people's hearts changed. Repentance happens by the power of the Spirit of God. And if God so chooses, in your preaching of the gospel, people will be healed. Demons will be cast out. I'm not trying to say and put a cap on the Spirit of God. I'm saying you start stepping out, sharing your faith not in your strength but the power of the spirit of god you will see his power manifested in your evangelistic efforts we're not going out in our own power i want to speak to the the students in here who have come back specifically early before the rest of everybody gets here i mean the first sunday we're going to have the students back in mass is like two weeks away i mean who's on trimesters anyway it's just crazy so all your friends But all your friends that you went to school with, high school with, your friends back home, they're all back in school. And what we're starting to hear of these reports on other campuses around America is that as students have come back to share the gospel early, they're seeing other people repent and come to Christ, even people from other religions, Muslims. So I know some of you students are here early to do outreach on your campus here mainly at Northwestern, maybe some at Loyal, you're here early. I just want to tell you this. Go in the power of the Spirit of God. Pray. Say, God, do a mighty work and step out and share the gospel. Do not waste these early days. Do not waste the freshness of new students who are open to engaging with the gospel. Do not waste these days. Step up love people, and share the gospel in the power of God. Number five, gospel vision. Verse 19. This is an amazing gospel vision that Paul had. It says this, verse 19, So that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ now i want you to catch just how enormous this vision is this is this is ridiculous this is an unbelievable ridiculously huge vision i want you to make sure you get this paul's vision was to share the gospel from the border of jerusalem to the borders of illyricum which is like modern day uh, albania in that area there kind of he makes it a loop and that's a loop of about 1400 miles So his vision is, I'm going to share the gospel in this 1,400-mile area. And you know what Paul says? He says that he says, okay, it's now done. Did you catch that? Look at it again, 19. He says, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And then look at verse 23. Look what he says. He says, I no longer have any room for the work in these regions. Are you kidding me? He has this huge vision to impact people with the gospel. And now he's like, it's done. Like, really? How's it done? Did you tell everybody about Jesus? No, no. His vision was not to tell everybody about Jesus. His vision was to go in, plant strategic churches in strategic areas, and let those churches flourish and spread the gospel. And for the call of God he had upon a life, it was done in that region. I want to encourage you and tell you that it is okay to have huge, enormous visions of reaching people for Christ. Some people may call you arrogant. Some may, may people may call you saying that you're kind of going over the top for this grand vision you have of reaching people for the gospel. Just go back to Paul. I doubt you're going to get a bigger vision than that. It's okay to have huge God-sized visions of reaching people for Jesus that you cannot pull off, that only God can pull off. That's a huge vision. And then lastly, point number six. Let's look at his ambition one more time. Verse 20 and 21. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written those who have never been those who have never been told of him will see and those who have never heard will understand now some of you literally have the ambition that paul has you want to leave this country or whatever country you're from, and you want to go to regions of the world where people who have never heard of Jesus. And I just want you to know, there are, there are millions of people who have never heard of Christ. Regions that have no gospel witness. They have no Bible. They, they don't even know what you're talking about when you talk about Jesus. Some of you have that ambition. You have that goal. You want to break out of here around the world and share the gospel with those who never heard. And, and I know some of you. And as soon as you're done here doing your thing, you are out of here. And I just want you to know, We support you. And don't think just because we're staying here means that we're not passionate about what you're doing there. Don't don't you sometimes think, well, for those who are passionate about reaching the unreached, go to the unreached. And those who are passionate about reaching the semi-reached, stay here. No, no. You can be passionate about reaching the unreached and still stay here. It's true, yes. God just called you here, but you're still passionate. So we want to encourage you and spur you on. But sometimes... In in my restless, crazy heart, mind, zeal, whatever you want to say about me, I really want to be among the unreached. Uh, This past week with my family, we were watching a video from Dispatches from the Front, and they were concentrating on a certain area of the unreached in India. A portion of the country where I guess we're uh, those who have never heard the gospel. They were going to these villages and, and sharing the gospel. And I was like, oh, I just want to be there. Oh, I want to be in India. I want to go do this. And for a lot of reasons, God does not have me there. We can talk about those another time. But I am here. But I'm kind of, I'm sharing with my family. I'm like, I'm kind of bummed out. I'm like, God, I can't go to India. Man, why do you have me here in Skokie? Man, I want to be in India. And so, it's like, it's after dinner, and I'm outside, and my wife and I are just standing out there, and, and we're chatting it up with the neighbors, and we're just talking, and we just got this whole India thing happening in my house, and now we're chatting with the neighbors, and I'm, I'm, I'm not making this up, so this is like an hour after that. We're talking to the neighbors, and we see this lady on the other side of the street. She's walking with her baby. Now, our street is not heavily populated, heavily trafficked. There's probably any people ever walking around, a few here and there. So, she's walking on the other side of the street, and my wife don't ever do this. We're like waving to her in the sense like waving like this, like, I don't know what we're doing. Never do that. We don't wave to strangers and then kind of tell them to come on over. And so she comes over with her baby. Now, I'm not making this up. Never seen her before in my life. Guess where she's from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Russia. No, she is from India. I'm not joking. And I love to say that well, I shared the gospel with her right there, and she repented, and it was awesome. No, 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 no. I think God's teaching me something. He's like, Jason, come on. You don't need to go over there. I'm going to bring all types of people over here in Chicago. You have people here that you can share the gospel with. So don't moan and groan how you can't go be this glorious missionary in foreign lands. If you've got the ambition to preach the gospel, you can do it right here. Praise God for that revelation. So I want to put up all the points here just to review. We've got this gospel atmosphere. We want our church to cultivate an atmosphere of embracing and living in the gospel. And we have this gospel calling, specific people he's called us to. And our evangelism and gospel worship is worship to God. Gospel power comes through the power of the spirit and gospel vision. You've got to have these huge God-sized goals. They're okay. And gospel ambition, whether we go to the reached or the unreached, we want to make it our ambition to preach the gospel. And so I, I kind of want to end by, by just asking this question like, okay, so what do we do now? <laughs> what should we do? I know it's really obvious what we should do, but what should we do? And I, I took my cues this week from a woman from Albania. She said something very fascinating. And it's interesting that she's from Albania because the Apostle Paul went all the way to the border of that area and spread the gospel. And so this woman from Albania, who's a very, it's a very tough area to spread the gospel, uh, reaching unreached, this is what she, her philosophy was. Now, this woman's probably in her 20s, recently saved, and this is her simple, gospel strategy and so i thought i'm gonna pass her simple gospel strategy on to you you don't even have to write it down it is so simple this is her strategy you ready pray meet people tell them about jesus did i go too fast Pray, meet people tell them about jesus And most of you don't even need to do the meet people. You already know people. So you just need to pray and tell people about Jesus. And I thought, you know, this week, in obedience to God's word, I mean, we we should be sharing the gospel out of joy, out of worship, to at least one person. One person in your sphere of life who you run with, who you hang with, who needs to hear about Jesus. one person that you're going to pray for right now. You're going to go interact with them. And you're going to tell them what Jesus has done to your life, and you're going to tell them the gospel. That God loves them so much that he sent his son to die for sinners, to reconcile them back to the Father through faith. So let's take that first step right now, and let's pray. Lord, you have put people in our lives that our brothers and sisters can't reach, but you've called us to reach. Maybe it's somebody at work, somebody at school, someone in our family that we need to tell about the love of God in Christ. And I just ask you to give us boldness to speak the truth this week. I just ask you to soften their hearts to receive the gospel this week. And I want to pray a special prayer for the students this week, that they would pray, that they would meet people, and they would tell them about Jesus that you would open hearts over the next two weeks of incoming students to respond to the gospel. And so when we gather back here in two to three weeks, we will see new creations in Christ that we offer up to you as worship. Do that significant work in our lives, in the lives of others, and in our church. In Christ's name, amen.